welcome to this week's episode of the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. Um, this week we're dealing with a really interesting topic, what is a family retreat? And our special guest is Vincent Valeri. Vincent is the Managing Director of Vincent Valeri and Associates, where he is a legacy coach, a speaker, and a family enterprise advisor. Uh, Vincent, thank you so much for joining us this week on the show. Thanks, Chris. I, I know we've known each other for a long time. It's always exciting to be in a, in a space talking to a friend and colleague about fascinating things that deal with family enterprise. So thank you. Well, we share that. We share that background and some other shared backgrounds as yeah. well. So uh, you know, I'll sort of apologize in advance to the listeners if it seems like we know what we're talking about between each other because we kind of do, you know, uh, uh, I, I always enjoy my conversations with you and I'm, I'm um, so happy that you were able to provide us with uh, the, the, the opportunity to share your time and your wisdom. So I think, yeah. uh, I think people are going to enjoy what we're talking about this week. I always like to start the show uh, Vincent with, by, by making sure that uh, our listeners know who, Vincent Valeri is, and if they don't already, and, and what it is that he does and, and what services he provides. If you don't mind just taking a moment, and, and yeah. I, I, I like to hear the bio from the speaker. Yeah, I, I, I'm smiling because I think this is a question as, as simple a question it can be. What do you do? I always find it quite challenging <laughs> to explain it. Unless, Chris, you know, you're, you're in the work that we, that we do, you know, for a long time, it, it kind of just happens uh, organically. But I think how I like to describe it is I really try to help families um, and the terms that we use, you know, family enterprise, families that own and manage stuff together. It could be an operating company, a holding company, or they could be managing investments, whatever it may be, families that share assets. I'm really trying to help families bridge the two parallel paths of the technical needs that family, successful families, entrepreneurial families need to grow and transition their wealth, the financial planning, the estate planning, all the stuff that's near and dear to a lot of our hearts. And there's a real focus in all that in the industry, but also bridging that in a lot of ways, bridging the gap with the human and familial stuff that happens in families already but when you overlay a business, some wealth, the complexity of those relationships really ratchet up as well. And it's almost like this phenomenon that's been around for a long time with families and in wealth management, but we're just kind of seeing it. We're still in the early phases of this work, the work that we do, of bridging that gap between helping a lot of times helping the families catch up to some of the corporate structures that are in place. And I, and I know, and I'm, again, I'm smiling when I say this because <laughs> your, your, listeners, your listeners might be going, what the heck did he just say? And I think it's in that, it really, it's really different for every family, but at the core of it is really trying to help families in addition to a lot of ways, their, their assets have already been prepared for them. My role, I could, to, to summarize it, is really helping the family prepare for the assets. And that's an interesting uh, point. I did a, 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 a presentation this week. We were talking about it to the Estate Planners Council of Toronto. And the, and the topic was uh, 
uh, family enterprise advisor, you know, what is it? And, and, and I had an hour and I still ran out of time. <laughs> it is, yeah. it's a, it's a big uh, topic area. There's a lot of entry points for, for yes. an enterprise advisor, lots of different skill sets. Um, I think, I think your point is well taken. I mean, it's not something you can necessarily get down to a, uh, down to an, uh, a 10 word elevator pitch. Um, you, you came to this, uh, your, mm-hmm. I, I, your, your story that brought you into this space um, is an interesting one. Uh, is there any part of that you can share with us? You know, how you oh, came yeah. to be a family enterprise yeah. advisor? I've heard you yeah. tell the story before, and, yeah. and I think listeners <laughs> would connect with it. it. It informs a little bit why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, and, I, and I think maybe in the early days of how I used to share my story, I was oversharing, but I, I've, I've learned, like in anything in life, it's art and science. I, I mean, like some of your listeners, and, and for sure, Chris, the, the families that you work with, you know, I, I was born into a family enterprise. So I, I am atypical, one or atypical, not the typical, but atypical Canadian story where my parents were immigrants to Canada. They came over at two very different times, and that's important because it actually led to, uh, obviously, me being the way I am with my parents. My mom came over when she was very young, two years old, grew up very Canadian in the Canadian system. My dad came over in his mid-20s, full of Italian bravado. Um, <laughs> and, like, and like a lot of immigrants that settled uh, in southwestern Ontario, where we are in southern Ontario, I'm in Hamilton in particular, a lot of the uh, Italian immigrants went to the steel factories. And for whatever reason, my dad was was dead set against that. He was not going to do that. So he had learned a trade at a young age in Italy, which was a, a, a component of a larger trade in manufacturing circuit boards, computer chips. So in 1974, with the blessing of my mom and, and uh, a modest investment from her Royal Bank salary, he started what became later the family business. Um, so that company was started in 74. I was born in 79. I, I was really born into it. I, I probably, I, I know, I, I mean, I spent the, the first half of my life up until 30 working for dad, believing in that vision, believing in this course that, that my life was already laid out for me. Didn't matter in my mind, didn't matter where I applied myself to or how I applied myself to, it was always going to come back to the family business, which at that time, I was, I was arrogant enough to admit that I thought it was my company. Um, but then things happen, right? People get older, uh, including our parents. And as my dad started to get a bit older and our, our, the market that we were in, technology, uh, changed. I mean, it, for some of the listeners, remember... The year 2000 and 2001, where the tech sector literally had a meltdown, that that meltdown impacted our family company, my dad's company, as well as a bit of his own personal net worth because everything was tied into that industry. So in 2006, at the tender age of 65, my dad made the life decision to retire. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and I was 27. Um, just came back of being overseas for three years, doing a master's in Australia, master's in business, all with the intention that I was going to come back home, like the prodigal son, and take over dad's company. And boy, was I surprised (laughs) when he sat me down, (laughs) when he sat me down in the summer of 2006 and said, look, uh, things have changed. Uh, And he's, he made the decision to divest. He had, 
he had gone through uh, an earlier sale of the company in the late 80s where he divested majority of it to a private equity company. And then he sold off his remaining shares in 2006. And I was completely left uh, dumbfounded, scared, angry, confused, embarrassed, all the buzzwords you can put on it. Because at that age, Chris, and I, I mean, I, I know you've heard parts of the story before, and I see this a lot. I sure. think that's what makes the work I do with families. I see this a lot in families. I, I was so entitled to that position of taking over dad's company that the idea that it wasn't there for me was devastating. Yeah. Um, I had built this whole brand of who I was, and, and now I had to pivot. And it was hard. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, you know, so as, as a lot of these transactions can do, his transaction was very quick. Um, by the end of 2006, so six months from the summertime of, of that summer, of the, of, the, of the conversation, as I like to refer to, he was no longer employed at Dynamic. And he went through a, you know, a four-year redemption period with his, with his former partners in the private equity firm. And I was left kind of holding the bag of this story and of his identity and of his success. And I really didn't know what to do. So my first real job outside of working for dad was in, was in a marketing company uh, for a couple of years. Somehow, some way I landed into that role. And it was in that role that I, something was, there was almost like a fire in my, in my stomach saying, you know, you're, this is not for you. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur of something. What that something was, I had no idea. And I know, Chris, your background at the, at the banks. I had another, you know, impactful conversation, probably as I turned 31, 32, where the, 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 the wealth advisor that was managing my mom's uh, money came to me one day and said, you would make a fantastic wealth advisor. And I was like, ah, can you make money? Of course you can make money. <laughs> they, they, sell it, they, they sell it to you like it's your own business, as you know, working at the bank and you, have, you go and create a book of business. So I said, oh, great, I'm going to do that. Um, so I joined one of our big banks here in Canada in 2011 as a wealth advisor. I went through all the training for that, the financial planning designations. And I started to, started to manage people's money. Um, which I didn't enjoy, the, to be honest. I found that a little bit too stressful for me. Just managing people's assets didn't feel right for me. But it was in that role where I started to meet families like mine, where success, externally, family has a successful business. There's a bit of wealth. Uh, there's connections. They have this social capital inside the community. But behind, behind the scene or you know, behind the closed door, the families had some challenges and challenges that were unique to being a family owned business. Like we were decisions that if you're not involved in managing a company with your parents or co-managing with your siblings, you don't have to face. Uh, at the same time in 2013, I was introduced to the family enterprise advisor program way back when in 2013. And I ended up taking the first course of that program, which was, which is family dynamics. And it was like, you know, I got hit by, a, you know, like, like lightning had struck. And I remember sitting in that class and some of our colleagues and friends that we still keep, or I met in that class in 2013. And I was, 
by far the youngest in that in that program that that for those two days. Um, I just couldn't believe that there was a, a theory out there and practitioners that were doing this, that were changing the conversations with families to incorporate the familyness, the human piece of of estate planning. And I was like, I was like, wow. So I took that energy and excitement back to the bank in 2015. And the bank smiled and patted me on the back and said, that's wonderful, <laughs> but that's not going to work here. Um, so I said, okay. So I made the decision in 2014 to go out on my own. Uh, I didn't, I frankly didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I kind of hung a shingle on my roof, as they say, as this business family business coach. And as cheesy as this line is, it's the truth. The rest, as they say, is history. I was been so fortunate so fortunate to work with uh, so many incredible families and people and, and rising gen like myself and have created this niche consulting slash coaching business with, along with, you know, associates that I, that I work with and helping families, frankly, deepen the conversations around what it is they want for their family, uh, their wealth, if there is wealth and their operating companies. And what does that mean? And it's really to encourage them to live the legacy, not leave a legacy. Um, and that's, and it's really born out of my own personal experience and the missed opportunities for conversations that we had as a family that really hurt the family and the money. Um, so that's what I hope to help families with today is to bridge that gap, like I said, on the onset of the call. Well, and, and I think that, you know, that story is really important to understand because that is the segue into our subject matter uh, uh, this week. I mean, you, you said a few things there. I'm making notes here. You, you yourself uh, uh, were, your expectations were probably not being managed appropriately. That information when your father made his decision startled you. And, and then, um, You've you know since moved into a uh, since moved into a profession that you're excellent at where you you are helping people deepen their conversations and and not missing great opportunities to converse and and one of the tools that uh, uh, family enterprise advisors often recommend often use for families is this concept that is this week's subject matter of a family retreat. Can you um, share to our listeners, Vincent, what's meant by that and, and you know, maybe how it fits in with other aspects of managing expectations, things yeah. that a family enterprise advisor does, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd love to hear your definition of it, too. I think this is one of the challenges in the work that we do, these, these, the, the, the terms we put on this stuff. So what is, from my perspective, what is meant by a family retreat? It can mean a couple of different things. I think we hear of, so let me start by the way I look at it. It's really, it's almost like a continuum, right? So on the, on the far left side of the family retreat, it could simply be a family gathering with not a lot of formality and just be, and, and having the courage to talk about stuff. It's the intentionality of wanting to see where the family is at, the individuals in the family that in my mind really embodies what a family retreat is. It can simply be a Sunday afternoon at mom and dad's backyard, but there's intentionality around the conversations and everybody in the family is encouraged to participate. 
that's on one side of it. it you know, that's a family retreat in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. On the other, on the other spectrum, on the far right side, of, for example, depending on the size and complexity of the family, by complexity I mean what are the shared assets, what are the operating companies like. And I've been blessed to work with some families that are well into G4 and G5, and there's 45 to 50 shareholders. And so that family retreat piece now takes on multiple meanings. But I still think at the core of it is that the intentionality to focus and create a space where the family can bring their ideas, their hopes, their opportunities, and their concerns to a forum where then the family can then talk through it. Now on the one, so, and, and that, and even in that context, Chris, as you know, that can take on various iterations as well too, from not so formal to extremely formal, where it's a two-day retreat with a set agenda. Uh, it could be off-site, so the family travels together and there's you know, pros and cons to all of these things. And that retreat takes on, uh, uh, multiple forms where they're doing business updates. They're talking, but they're actually helping. The family is is actually being another big scary word that we hear a lot about governance uh, processes into place, which governance is a big word for communication decision making around what what it what what is most important to the family. It's an opportunity for them to strategize, learn things about each other. But I'll recap it. Again. And I'm rambling here a bit. It's no. family retreat in my mind is is the is just having the intention of, of of trying to help the family table conversations in an environment that's created specifically for that. Well, and, and I really like that that definition. I mean, I think you're you're that starting with it as a moment or a period of intentionality is, is I think a great way to frame it because um, there, and, and I would just add to, you know, not much I would add to that, except just that the retreat part to me is always sort of meant that you're taking yourself away from something that might distract you from that intentionality. And, yeah. and uh, so, you know, it, it, you said maybe they just, um, uh, uh, take a morning, maybe where they go into town and uh, and and uh, rent a, a you know a, a boardroom for a few hours mm-hmm. at a at a hotel and have the conversation mm-hmm. there. But they take themselves away from the distractions of the business, and if it's a business situation that that is part of the family enterprise, or from you know um, I, I've I've done some presentations and and uh, some work with families where. It, it became apparent to me that the location where some of the meetings was going on was actually a power structure, a center of power that of was actually infusing too much power onto one particular individual. They weren't doing anything wrong. It was just, that's where mom and dad had always had the meetings and they yeah. now lived in that house. So they kind of inherited that, uh, that power structure. structure. Yeah. yeah. Agreed, Chris. And I think, and, and, and thank you for adding that. And, and, and that's the intentionality part. It's where it's, it's a focused conversation to your point. And again, depending on the family's availability and, and resources, the retreat part of it is, can be determined, but I agree. It's carving out a space for focused conversation. Um, and some, and, you know, part of that design, I, I, I'm sorry, part of the design piece of these retreats is just that is understanding 
what the family has been doing to date. And it could simply be a change of location to change the whole dynamic structure yeah. of the conversation. And I, and I, you know, and I, I, I say to families and, and colleagues that when, when a retreat is done right, and I know one of the things we want to talk about today are some examples of breakthroughs. I've, I've been lucky to see when you actually see the magic happen amongst the family that, that they, they, they've had a shared learning or there's been a, a breakthrough with whatever it's amazing. It really, really is. And as a foundational tool, again, I think, I think a lot of the audience or the industry advisors, when they hear that term, a family retreat, family meeting, a family assembly, whatever term you want to put on it, they, they sometimes think it's reserved for some of the larger families, both in size and in wealth complexity. But that's I disagree. I think a family, I think every family at, at, at some point would benefit from a purposeful, intentional, focused time that we're talking about stuff that can either propel our family forward or in some ways destabilize us. And I think it's healthy. I, I, I th- and, and it's, it's a throwback to the old days where like, you know, I grew up in a very Italian family where every Sunday we're together as family and we're breaking bread and we're talking and there's, there's things that are happening and we're experiencing stuff together. As a society, I frankly, we've gotten away from that. And I think families that are purposeful and they carve out that annual time, one of the biggest things that it does in, it does a lot of things, creating safe space, confidence, uh, trust amongst the family. It can foster communication, decision-making skills, but it establishes a tradition, right? It is that we're a family that meets and discusses issues and ideas and opportunities that are important to our family. And from my perspective, establishing that tradition, or I call an anchor, it's an anchor for a family. I don't know how you, put, I don't know how to put a value on that because yeah. it's remarkable. I, I, I know some families that are into their 15th, 16th annual family meeting. And it's yeah. incredible that what the, what the family can achieve when they establish that, 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 that tradition. And it becomes something they look forward to. I mean, it's not all like succession on TV. It, it, no. <laughs> it, it mostly no. isn't actually. No. <laughs> and they come to look isn't. forward to it. Yeah. It's an, it's an, and, and different, different individuals in that system will have different strengths that can be brought into the whole process of having the meetings and the topics that are discussed and, and even arranging it. Uh, I mean, there's something, it's quite possible. There's something for everyone to, to contribute to these meetings. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And don't you find like, um, I'm going to jump. We, we had some questions. We we're going to work from about jump ahead because it's sort of naturally there. Um, is this something like, I, I agree with you. I think it's a continuum and, and we did not rehearse that. So I'm so glad you said that because it is a continuum. I do yes. believe and, and, and there isn't a certain size of the pot of your wealth that determines whether these meetings are appropriate to have. Everybody should do this. And we do live in a society that is, um, I think, more distracted and more uh, immediate, uh, uh, you know, yeah. staring, at our, staring at our phones. Um, so communication skills have changed. And, and you said you, you're working with some families that are now G4, G5. 
uh, probably heading towards G6. They're probably pretty good at communicating. They're probably good at running these meetings, but they probably didn't start there. How yeah. does someone like yourself as a facilitator help them get there? Mm. Slowly. I think it's meeting them. <laughs> but that's I, important. I think, it's a process, yeah, I, right? Yeah. It's a process. It's meeting them where they're at. Yeah. And I, and, and I, uh, part of it is, so, I mean, depending on where the family's at and what their experience is, but I, I, I think for a, for a, for a first time around as part of my process, I, it's, it's really, let me just back up one second. Most family meetings or family retreats are, are typically mom and dad speaking to the family, usually, right? That's typically the hierarchy of our families. I think where I would start with families is trying to shift that mindset from we're going to talk about what's important to us to how do we solicit from the individuals and the family what's most important. So there's actually a bit of a, uh, there's a step before the actual meeting where we want to prepare the individuals through a series of, of interviews or one-on-one conversations or a survey. Again, there's a variety of elements that we can deploy um, to help families understand what people are thinking about before getting to the meeting. And I think that's key. The formality piece is that can that will come when the formality is needed for the family on in, in their in their growth and, and, and life cycle stage. But it's really about how do we get people, how do we solicit people's hopes, wishes, dreams, worries before that meeting so that the agenda, and it could be a tight agenda or a loose agenda. Sure. But so that the topics, the agenda for that retreat has been co- co-created by the family. I think that's so important. About, uh, most of all, one of the things I, a family retreat, whether like we talked about, could be simply a boardroom that the family rents for a few hours in their downtown or, or more elaborate, you know, two or three day getaway that the family uh, embarks on together is that it provides a platform for the, for everybody in the family if they choose to share their voice and contribute and the an early iteration might just be that it might be a couple of hours where we're sharing as a family that we've never done before because i think if the advisor or or if the family runs too far ahead because they've seen succession or they, they, they yeah. heard somebody, they heard somebody speak at a conference about an elaborate retreat. I think it's, it's slowly, but surely you'll build towards that. It's, but I think the biggest thing is asking and trying to find out where the individuals are in the family first, and then designing what a retreat might look like for your family. And that's where someone like yourself comes in because you can help them understand that pre-planning that has to go into the, the, the meeting before it happens and what, what the benefits are to that. I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, if you know, pick on your dad, you know, if you, if you don't, uh, <laughs> well, you told the story you know, yeah, and, 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 he, <laughs> and, and he says, okay, we're going to have a family retreat. And then he shows up at the meeting and says, well, by the way, I've sold the business, you know, oh. agenda item number one. Yes. That family meeting probably breaks out into chaos uh, at that yeah. point. So well, it's not. A, it's his meeting. It's not. Yeah, it's not a meeting. It's his meeting. 
right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if you're gonna have, this. if you're gonna invite people, no, that's a great point. And 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 I I think you know if you want to add something to that, that's that's the point. This is something. If you're having a meeting, you're not there to tell people things. You're there. I mean, that might be part of it, but but you're also there to receive information as well. Yes. I mean, yeah. Why invite them otherwise? You could send them an email. Uh, you know, well, it, it's uh, for example. Great point. And I think it's also about. So you look at my dad's my dad's example for 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 example he's in his right to sell his company that's undisputable but I think what where families families and maybe the original iteration of a financial advisor because they are changing too and I and I think financial advisors you've heard me say this Chris when we've talked they can be a key conduit to helping families deepen conversations but I think if that if mom and dad are making decisions that impact their kids, whether it be through a will, an estate plan, an operating company, a trust, whatever it may be. If mom and dad are making decisions that impact slash require their next, their rising gen, their kids to participate in some, some manner of something, then my bias, my belief is we need to let them know that. Right, and I think the retreats. Uh, one, again, one of the uh, I just, my bias is really showing here how much I love family retreats. Is helping families move to a comfortable level of transparency for that family, because leaving, leaving, like my example, I was you know kind of left in the dark. I was told my whole life. I was told, you know, this is here if you want it type thing. I'm doing this for you, all with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Like my my dad had only good intentions here, um, but by not, you know, in a perfect world, his concerns or his vision for his legacy, if that was shared with the family and our worries and our and our visions were encouraged to be shared, what a different experience it would have been for everybody. Because that point in time for for a guy like my dad or any business owner. The sale of their business should be a celebration, right? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it should be a celebration. Um, and but that takes time, and you know, and to through our work and some research and a lot of research, we know that some of the biggest obstacles families have is with communication and trust. We know that families are hard, man. Relationships are hard; they have to be worked at. You overlay wealth in a business. We talked about this earlier. The complexity ratchets up. So then the, the other idea about preparedness comes in, right? It's how are we helping our family prepare for these inevitable life events? We can prepare the assets. They can be structured a certain way of, yeah, we're going to minimize tax. The money's going to go from A to B. It's going to be great, right? Uh, but we, we, we often lack in helping the family prepare for those eventualities, transition, succession, life events, we know it's going to happen. And the, in my mind, the only way to, to, to get through it is to go through it yeah. as a, you know, and, and, but I also preface this by saying, because one of the things that, not that I, I get pushback on, but they'll say, so my belief is that not that every family should not be together if that's what that doesn't work for them, right? I think that it's it's and this is the challenge 
And sometimes retreats can bring this out where there's a misalignment in vision, right? From, from founder to the next generation. So my work, I'm not here to say that every family needs to be together for the sake. No, because some relationships, frankly, shouldn't be together. But I, the families that are oriented and aligned and want to do the work together and want to be in a quote-unquote enterprising family, mm-hmm. then these, these, these tools of family retreats, these concepts of transparency, trust, and preparedness in my humble opinion, are, are mandatory for success. And do you think that, that they should, uh, I mean, my own experience has been that, that they're, they're trying, they're dealing with transitions. They're dealing in dynamic uh, uh, environments and, and they're dealing with concepts and decision-making when we're talking about succession and transition in particular but they haven't had to deal with before necessarily, or at least not from the position of being the one making the transition. They might've been the recipient of it and they'll have a perspective on that. Um, do you think they should go it alone with retreats, you know, and just hope that they can find, uh, uh, find the ability to manage these meetings and these interactions wherever they have it, you know, whatever, whether they're on the left side or the right side of the spectrum, as you very, uh, uh, very skillfully described there. Is that, or should they work with a facilitator or, or someone like yourself who can um, help shepherd them at least through the early stages of that? Because I yeah. see it sort of as a skill building opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, here's my, here's my Canadian political answer. It depends. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it depends. I think I mean, answer. It, depends. it really does. It depends on where the family is at. I definitely think uh, if this podcast can help anybody, if you're thinking of doing it on your own, that's amazing. Yeah. But there's a lot of tools out there, whether it's a book or a, or a podcast like this one, like do some work before doing it on your own. I would, I would, I would encourage. I think, again, it goes back to that intentionality, right? And I, I know like Steve Covney wrote, you know, wrote the book, um, the seven habits of highly successful families. I think it's habit number three. I'm just looking at my bookshelf here. Sure. The highly, uh, um, he talks about family meetings. So it's not like, this is not a, a concept that, that the family enterprise advisors in Canada have, have invented. Right. This has been a, this is an old, an old uh, ancient tradition that we've gotten away from. Now in saying all of that, it really depends on, the complexity from a structural perspective of where the family's at. And I think that's where a third-party facilitator can really help some of those larger, you know, multiple branch, multiple generational families with with a lot of complexity from a a, a business structure be very beneficial because it really does bring in that independent um, view but it also what it what we what I bring to clients is the process, right? Um, right? And they're not doing it alone. And I and and I hope I hope the listeners can tell from this. I really like that part of my job. I really get excited oh. helping helping families uh, design and facilitate it. And I, I mean, like again, families go through different iterations. To your point, they might bring in a facilitator for one year. That's an offsite retreat. And then uh, the following year, they might have something that's smaller and they do 
it on their own. And then, and then every second year they do it off site again, they bring in a facilitator. The iterations are endless, sure. but I would encourage the listeners and families do some research and see what makes the most sense. Like I'll give you a quick example where friends of mine uh, are, are, you know, father started a, a very successful business years ago. The second generation is now managing it. They're, they're in their late forties, early fifties. They have some teenagers, uh, you know, as in their G3 and they wanted to have a family meeting at their house on a Sunday afternoon. And they had me come in for two hours and just talk about the concept of wealth and I, and expanding that definition for the family and, and just out trying to create a space for the kids uh, to ask different questions and for them, that's all it was needed, that a, a, an outside person that wasn't dad or their uncle asking them, like, what do you think about this? If I, you know, if I give you concept A, uh, whatever it might be, the, actual, the exercise we did that day we, was um, to say that we are lucky. And I asked these young kids to come up with how lucky are we and to see what, to see what things they came up with and to reflect back to them that, they're lucky that they have a family, that they have their health, that they have each other. Money, they, not one of them said, we're lucky because dad is wealthy. Not one of them. And it was just, a, it, was, it, it was a quick, fun exercise to help ground that, a very wealthy, successful, well-known family, that, and let the kids know that it's more than just that. It's the family part that is, is important. And will be the sustaining glue, hopefully, that keeps that family united. It's above and beyond the money piece. Well, and having that opportunity for the younger generation to be heard certainly reinforces that the other older generation wants to hear them as well. And, and you know, the subject matter doesn't have to be earth shattering. It could be something as benign and, and fun as you described there you know discussing the role that luck has played in 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 the life that you enjoy i, I mean i think that's a brilliant way to begin to build uh, uh the, the the skill sets that are are going to be required when much more difficult issues are coming and they will they will come eventually yeah so, and, and, and thank you for adding that chris because part of the work that i do with families and that you do i think is really like embracing reality for the good and the bad, right? I think it's wonderful to be, it's, it's being part of these, uh, of a quote unquote financially successful family comes with, comes with opportunity, no question, but it also comes with a set of challenges and decisions that are, that are usually outside the norm and to, and to think otherwise is not doesn't really serve the the idea of preparedness to your comment about tougher decisions will come and it's about uh, you know it's a helping the family adopt that learning mindset any family i think i you know i have two little boys now probably i'm hypersensitive to it just because of the work that i do with all these families but i'm always looking for opportunities to share examples learning opportunities maybe to my wife's headaches, but I think it's so important because we've gotten away from it to your comment earlier about just with, with our attention span, right? Uh, There's so many things to pull us away from our responsibilities as a family 
And our responsibility, again, here's my, some of my bias showing, my responsibility as a dad uh, and, and as a husband, as a brother, uh, as, a, as a nephew, yada, 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 is to help everybody achieve their highest level of happiness. Yeah. And if they're doing that and self-sustaining, our, our family as a whole you know, uh, benefits. And that's a mindset. And it's, it's not an easy one to adopt for families because we're humans and we have all these things and emotions and our own ideas. And that's the wonderful intersect of the work that we play in. Well, and you're, that approach is helping to create resilience and adaptative skills. Education and learning is a, is a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful process at any level. And, and family retreats provide those opportunities for sure. The, the, just a learning component is often a part of many of those, uh, a purposeful part of any of those uh, meetings. So, you know, how to read a balance sheet or oh. how to read our balance sheet. Uh, yeah. You know, or, or what are our challenges right now? Or how do we manage yeah. risk? And what does yeah. our CFO do? You know, there's so many different yes. things you can bring yeah. in. You, were, you shared one, uh, one um, story there. You know, everyone has, I won't call them more stories, but everyone has um, <laughs> uh, breakthroughs and revelations yeah. that, that they, they like to share, specific to, to family retreats. Mm-hmm. And without, of course, breaking any confidences, um, mm-hmm. Uh, can you share a couple, because sometimes the listeners, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, empathize more with something that's closer to home as far as something they might be going through. Yeah. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. So this, this, so this was a, so this would be on the right side of that spectrum. I think I mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, it was family going family in their fourth generation, almost a hundred year old operating company, Southern U S on the onset of that family meeting, it was a family retreat, two-day, off-site, really wonderful, big family, all the things that we talked about on the call, requires a lot of complexity, a lot of planning for the retreat. But the exercise we did to kick off the retreat was so simple, but so profound. We literally did like a like a 5, 10, 15, 50 years into the future type exercise. And we had everybody in the room stand up. <laughs> And we had these, I literally had five years into the future on a flip chart. And we had some examples. So like in five years, there will be flying cars. In five years, whatever, the aliens would have landed and living amongst us. Silly stuff. But then at every stage of those, of those, of those time frames, we would ask a poignant question. And it would be like something like, in 50 years, will we still be celebrating grandpa and grandpa, the founder? Will we still be celebrating them and their story? And some family members were divided. Some would say, of course, we'll be still be remembering and celebrating grandpa and grandpa or mom and dad in that person's case in 50 years. How can we forget them? But the 16, 17-year-old in G4, the great-grandkid was like, well, I'm not really sure. And it was in that simple exercise, what we landed on was the family wanted to continue to celebrate their family history. And in order to do that, they had to be intentional about it. They actually had to be purposeful about, about documenting grandpa and grandpa's story. And that became a whole project unto itself. But in, in, but in recognizing and being intentional, this is an anchor for our family and a tradition that we want to continue for, for future generations. And, and you think, 
I remember when we were building it and going through the activity, like, I really hope this works, right? <laughs> because <laughs> all, 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 all eyes are on us as facilitators, but the learning was all theirs. And it was so simple yet powerful. And it was such an aha that unless, unless we want this to continue, it's going to go away. Yeah. And it was, and it's really helped that family continue to lean in on their traditions, which is wonderful. Uh, on a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and your point is, you know, it's it's reinforced by a lot of the the research done by the thinkers, thought leaders in this space. You know, Jay Hughes has written what the seven of the seven of the main contributors to the destruction of family wealth or shirt sleeves and shirt sleeves, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations are. And, and, and you've mentioned too there, you know, that, that telling family stories, if it's not done, is uh, one of the reasons wealth doesn't make it to a third or fourth generation. Mm-hmm. So, so not only is there this intentionality that's required, it also has this, this to make it happen. And that's another one of the things that he highlights is that it's hard work. You've got to spend time on this. You know, you got to learn it. You got to be purpose. You got to organize the process, organize the history. But there's also a lot of research that shows that um, telling stories in families that particularly if they want to, if they value entrepreneurship, for, uh, for example, actually promotes that, uh, uh, that particular uh, 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 value in, in, insofar as it enables it to be propagated into the next generations more easily. So, so it's not just that you're spending time talking about this, you're actually reinforcing all kinds of really positive things that help the family or family enterprise get to where it is today. Like it's, it's both forward looking and, and, uh, uh, and forward value creating as well as just uh, respectful of the past. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And now I, I think you were going to tell another story there before I well, recapitulate. Yeah. And I, 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 so on the other end of that spectrum, right. So a, you know, uh, four person family, meet, family, family meeting, family retreat, um, this particular instance was at the at the family's in their family company boardroom, which again, there's pros and cons to that. <laughs> pros and cons <laughs> to that to that location, but for this family, that's where it was done at. It was mum, it was mum, mum, new wife, and two children from the first marriage. So so and in that meeting, it was very much education focused. What is a family enterprise to help normalize what was going on. But the big aha from there, and that that was a particularly tough meeting for me because a lot of what was coming up, and I think this is true for a lot of advisors in the space that have my background, a lot of what was happening in that family system was happened in my family system. Right. So, but but um, through a very so using one of Jay Hughes's models, the the fishes model, so where he talks about financial, intellectual, human, social, and spiritual capitals. One of the activities in that retreat was to help the family redefine or expand the definition of wealth. And it's an activity that a colleague of mine, uh, Kristen Heaney, came up with a number of years ago, and her and I facilitated it a number of times together on our own, where we asked the participants to think about someone in their life, past, you know, living or past, that embodied those capital areas. What are some words, uh, um, uh, attributes, that you think of when you when when this person comes to mind, 
So we give them three sticky notes and they'll talk about you know, thoughtfulness or philanthropic or intelligent, uh, loving, whatever words you want, to, whatever adjectives, words, values you want to attribute to that individual. And then we actually ask them to, to plot them in those capital areas. And 99% of the time, maybe one or two lies into the financial capital area. Yeah. Um, and the learning, the learning for that family was, so dad got very emotional because the kids, and then we asked him to identify who the person is that they're thinking about, or they're speaking about. And this family, they were talking about their dad and none of the words attributed to his financial success. Right. And it was like, it was a, another aha moment and showed dad that, you know, there's a lot of love there for dad. Right, because the initial thinking back now, and this was a few years ago. So you're, you've got me thinking back about this engagement. Dad was very concerned about entitlement and and maybe giving too much too soon to his kids, and and then where do we go from here? And that exercise that afternoon really helped Dad get you know I don't want us to get back to a baseline, but get clear that there's love here. You're still you're still a family. In that particular instance, the business was getting in the way. Both son and daughter were working, were working for dad. As you know, Chris, businesses require tough decisions, even tougher when you're making them with family. And it just helped bring, I'll, I'll say it, it helped bring the love yeah. <laughs> back into the conversations that was missing and, and, and helped this family hopefully look at themselves as family again. And that... And I, I, it's such an honor and a privilege to be in that room when you, when you witness that, that it's like, I, you know, I'm a lucky guy to be able to, 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 to facilitate it and create a framework that allows the family to explore and express themselves. It's, it's incredible. They don't always go like that. I, I don't want to say they no, don't no, always go like that, but, but, but it, when it does happen, it's wonderful. And it's, it's, I suspect it's fair to say it's it's uh, pretty unlikely that that would have happened organically on its own where people are just bumping into each other sort of haphazardly. I mean, that happened because you took people out of their normal day-to-day milieu, you put them together in a room, and you created this activity. The intentionality and the, the retreat aspect of it is what contributed, I would imagine, mightily to that breakthrough. Yeah. And it's yeah. a process. Yes. It's absolutely. a process. It's yeah. A process. And these it's are hard process. things to happen or on their own. You, you kind of got to, you got, you got to structure it so that, it, so that it happens. Um, Vincent, I think in listening, you know, we, to, to your, your presentation here, I think a lot of people have, uh, are going to have more questions and I, but I think they've obtained an incredible amount of information. You know, one of the problems when you're talking to people like yourself is that you just know so much that it's, <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. <laughs> There's so much depth and so much breadth to the topic that we, it's hard to do it justice in a, in a, a single episode of a podcast. But if people want to reach out to you, Vincent, yep. and they want to, have you touch base with them about the services you provide for their family enterprise. I'll put up some, uh, some connections to your webpage and things like that on the show notes. Uh, so this, uh, this show can appears on Apple podcasts as well as Spotify. Um, what's, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I, I mean, the, the easiest way is, is uh, visit my website, 
which will now redirect you to my associate website because I am the plumber with a leaky faucet. I'm still working on my website. <laughs> if you go, if you go to Vincent, so V-I-N-C-E-N-T, Valeri, V-A-L-E-R-I.com, that'll link you to my LinkedIn page and to my associate, uh, my associates uh, website. It'll give you all the information, my contact info. That's the easiest place. The easiest, easiest, easiest place is if you're on LinkedIn, as, as Chris, you know, I'm quite active on that platform. Um, you can find me on there under Vincent Valeri, and I'm sure my, uh, my, my dated headshot will come up now. <laughs> <laughs> now you look the same. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Well, and I'll put your LinkedIn uh, profile on the, uh, on the show notes. Um, Vincent, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. Is there anything you want to add just to sort of finish it off? You shared an awful lot of really valuable insights and wisdom for which I thank you. Is there anything that I might've cut you off on that uh, you, you wanted to add? No, I, I, I think we've, I think Chris, uh, you did a great job in, in uh, bringing some of that information out. Thank you for, for doing this and thank you for your contributions to the space that we play in. Um, I hope the listeners learned something. Um, and, and like I said, uh, don't over, don't underestimate <laughs> The power of a family of a family retreat, a family conversation, uh, where where everybody's encouraged to lean in and and hopefully speak some of their truths. So I think it's very important, and it will benefit all aspects of family of family life, uh, from the estate plan to how we how we share things together, including uh, our hopes and dreams. Well, maybe we'll get you back, uh, uh, Vincent, and you and I can just banter back and forth about what a family, what we mean by a family enterprise, because we, we did yeah. some terms of art here and, and uh, just so people know what that's about too. Well, maybe I'll, maybe, maybe I'll pin you down here. You already said yes. So it's on the record. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> no we'll schedule uh, something coming up. Um I want to thank our, our special guest this week, Vincent Valeri. He's the managing director of Vincent Valeri and Associates, where he is a legacy coach, a speaker, and a, uh, a family enterprise advisor. Um, you can reach him, as he said, by going to his webpage, vincentvaleri.com, V-I-N-C-E-N-T-V-A-L-E-R-I.com. That'll link you to his LinkedIn page, and then you can go from there to his associate site if you want to connect to him. Thank you for joining us, everyone, this week on the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. Please join us next week when we have another great guest to talk about estate planning, family wealth enterprise, and wealth intergenerational planning in general. Thanks so much.